Well, good morning. It's good to be here today, and uh, I don't know about you guys, but I need this. I sat through the, the worship, and there's many times that I do this, and um, Eric will lean over to me sometimes and say, why aren't you singing? But music has been always something very powerful in my life of just listening um, to the words and letting it do its work in me as I'm listening to it and drawing closer to God through it. So I hope our time in worship and in our communion today is, is draw us, drawn us closer to the throne. Um, the, the one thing I hope for is as we, as we draw close is that our hearts and our minds can be calmed and that we can just sit and, and wait on, on God and the message that he wants for us um, this morning. There's so many ways that we come in through the doors of these buildings and so many, uh, so many ways that our lives are, are being affected before we ever grace the presence of, of, of this building here. And I know that sometimes we walk through this room and our lives are full of joy and the jobs are going great. We just got a raise and um, the kids are being successful. The relationship is going well and, it's, and life is good. But there's also times that we walk through these doors and we just feel the burden of this life. We feel the pressures of this world pushing down on us. And we try to sit in this room and our, our minds are going a thousand miles an hour. And, and, and it's, it's amazing that we've able just been able to make it here to sit here as, as, and be a part of the message of God. But what I want to encourage us today is hopefully... Um, there's some good instruction in the word for us, but in either circumstances that we are in, this message today hopefully is timeless. Whether we are going through something, whether we've been through something and we're coming out of it, or we're, maybe we don't even realize this, but we're ready to get, ready to get, get busy with life and something's going to happen and the message is for us this morning. Everything that we go through, every struggle, every trial that we go through in life is totally meaningful, and there is purpose in it. And I know that that can be a struggle for us to understand that at sometimes, but hopefully that we'll, we'll be able to see that. Um, I sat down with Dave last week, and he, um, he uh, asked me, he said, do you have your one thing? What, what's your one thing that you want to get across? And I can try to weave it into the message and hide. I'm just going to tell you what, what my one thing is so we can maybe try to remember that. But maybe that one thing is going to be different. Maybe you find something in the scripture today that, that hits you the way it is. But here's what, what I would like you to get out of today's message. Is no one is, is exempt from trials. But if we lean on God, there's going to be a purpose in the suffering that we are going through. Uh, in Corinthians, uh, Paul says, here's the, here's the purpose of what the trials are. He says, this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond compare. And sometimes that just flies in, in the face of the trial that we're going through. How, how can the trial that I'm going through right now, how is the, the trial that I've just lost a father in death, or how, is the, how is, does 
the trial of me going through cancer or another disease show me that there is a glory for me. I just lost my job. My spiritual walk is a, a complete wreck. I haven't been in the Word. I haven't prayed for, for weeks or months. I had to dust off the Bible the other day to find it. How about relationships? Marriages that are at a breaking point. Family dynamics that are, that are just completely fractured, the relationships that we have there. But yet God gives us instruction today that through patience and endurance, we can see a glory uh, far beyond we could ever ask for or imagine. Last week, Joel gave an example. He was, he was talking, he, he taught us of, in the first part of, of James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, he talked about um, the wealthy and how they were... Um, they were pushing down on the believers and, the, and they were defrauding them of the money that was, was owed them for the work that they were doing. The believers are crying out because of the oppression that they felt. And James had pretty harsh words for them, um, for those unbelievers that were creating that, um, uh, the, that suffering for the believers. But today in our, in our reading, James switches his focus now back to the believers to give them ammunition to be able to, to, to stand up to the suffering and the trials that they were going through. And it starts in verse 7 um, of James. If you have a Bible, open it. We're going to be chapter 5, uh, verses 7 through 11. And it starts off as Bix wrote, uh, read to us, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. The farmer doesn't put a seed in the ground and the next day come back with his, his combine or his harvester and come in and pick the fields for harvest. Is that correct? Right? Here's what I have a tendency to do. Um, I'm not a farmer, but I have, we've had gardens in the past. And so I'll go to the garden center and we'll be looking through all kinds of plants and I'll find that tomato plant that has one tomato on it. I was like, I'm going to cheat the system. I already got fruit going on, Right? I'm going, to have, I'm going to have a tomato tomorrow. What happens to that tomato typically? It rots, falls off, and we've got to wait, right? We have to have patience. What I, reading through the, the scriptures what, and learning as, as I read through this is the farmer has a lot of knowledge of how to, to bring a crop to harvest. He plants the seed. There's a certain depth that he has to plant it, certain width, certain spacing between the plants, uh, a certain amount of fertilizer he needs to put on it. But then he's got to wait for the rains. Early, it says the early and the wait, r late rains. The, the early rain will put it in there right in time for it to germinate the seed and to grow. And the late rains is, is filling out the corn ear or filling out the pod and getting it ready to, for harvest. And so we have to have that patience there. And as the farmer, he has to have patience in what he knows how to, or he has to, have pay, he has to have the knowledge of doing what he knows what he can do to get his harvest ready. But he has to have patience in the things that are out of his control, right? We have to wait, he has to wait patiently on that rain. I know the farmers that were, were pulling their hairs out this spring, trying to wait for that, for that rain to stop where they could finally get it in. And now you hear in the news this past week, it, we're going through a mild drought already. And it's just the, the patience that we have on the things that are out of our control is what is going to help us as we go through the trials in our lives. 
We can be impatient in our lives, right? But what that patience is going to do is just create chaos in our, in our walk with God. And we have to learn to, lean, to not lean on ourselves. What I have a tendency to do is um, when I grow through life, I have, a, I have a tendency to say if I have a problem come up is I can do this. I, I, I can do this. I'm just going to buckle down and I can do this. And what God is saying, you know, I'm, I'm right here. You got the word of God on me. Lean on me. Have patience and I'll get you through this time. And we can try to, we try to control what we have no control over. And then in verse 10, it says, an example of suffering and patience, brothers. I'm sorry, did I skip the... Oh boy. In verse 8, it says, you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So he's given an example of how we create that patience in our lives. And I'm remembered, I'm a horticulturalist. And so I always draw into plant. And my, my son and I were sitting on the front porch yesterday. And he said, we have this, I'm going to plant a tree in the front yard. And I'm going to plant a tree in the backyard. And he said, what are those trees? I'm going to say, oh, it's an oak tree. I love the oak tree. You have this little acorn, right? And when it germinates, it shoves this taproot down into the ground, right? And it, it stabilizes that plant. And then, the, and then the plant starts to grow up, puts leaves on. But what you don't see underground is all of a sudden these feeder roots are starting to push their way out. Right, pulling in the nutrients, pulling in the, the, the nutrients from the ground, pulling in the moisture from the ground so it can grow that tree that you see these huge majestic oak trees. And those feeder roots have stabilized itself. If you had a little tree, like if you've seen a massive oak tree, and if all you had was a, uh, one taproot, what would happen if the wind came? You'd fall it right over, right? But it stabilized itself. It's pushed feeder roots out almost to the drip line of where that tree is. So underneath the ground is this huge massive network of roots that have stabilized that tree and it's similar in our lives right we accept lord jesus as our savior and we shove that taproot down to the ground that's going to stabilize us right give that hope of eternity but we also have to put those feeder roots out and that feeder roots out are the communion with god the being in the word of god pulling in the the sweet nutrients of what god has to offer us right part of that Part of those feeder roots are us gathering together like we do together, as, as the Bible says, that we gather as the saints because it gives us stability to be able to suffer and as we go through trials in this life. If we don't have stability, then how can we trust in the patience that it takes to us for us to endure the trials that we go through? If we don't have that stability of the word of God that we can lean on, if we don't have the stability of the prayer life and the communion we have with God, and if we don't have brothers and sisters, whether it's in small groups or, or dinner groups or the body that we sit with on Sunday, how do we have the stability to have the patience to go through the trials that we're going to come up with in life? If we are established, and if our spiritual lives are built on the foundations of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we will have the capacity and we'll have the patience to weather the storms that come. I don't know how these all got mixed up. The next verse, I think, is probably, he goes into, he gives us an example of, of what it means to establish ourselves and why we need to be established so we have patience. But the next one is a, is a challenge that he, that he sets to the believers. And I think that's probably one of the more critical challenges as we go through struggles, it says, do not grumble against one another's brothers 
so that you not, may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. And I think this is where Satan has his victory, right? The grumbling here is, is that inward groaning, all right? We, have, we might not be verbal about it. Um, it's that unverbalized bitterness that just wells up with us, right? We're going through a struggle. We're going through a trial, and it is so easy to start to put blame on others around us, to put blame on the brothers and sisters, to put blame on our family of this is why I'm going through this mess in my life. It's because of this. And so all it is there is, is, is to fracture relationships, and Satan would love nothing more than to put a fracture and a wedge in a relationship and drive us apart. In Romans 12, it reminds us, in as much as possible, to be at, at peace with all man. And we just have to trust that God is in control. Ultimately, he will judge what's going through. We just, if we can realize and just have that establishment that we are good to get through these, these trials, ultimately God will, will judge what is going on. Maybe there is something legitimate that has happened that, that has been something that somebody's wronged us. But let God be the judge of that. If God is control of our hearts and we're planted firmly in the word and we are patient in our trials, we can remove ourselves from the temptation to blame others and our circumstances. Remember, as we go through trials in this life, that there's an eternal weight of glory that is being prepared for us. There is something greater than the, than the garbage of this world that feels that is just suffocating us. And, we, and, it's, and like I said, it's hard to, to, to believe that or to understand that at times. But there's, there's so much truth in that. If we can just come to God and, and pray, pray for, the, for that direction. Now we go back to verse 10. As an example of suffering. So he's going to give the, 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 the believers their example. Example of suffering and patience, brother. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. A couple of weeks ago, we were at a family camp with our family, my extended family, and uh, we had a service on Sunday, uh, and my brother-in-law brought a message about the story of Elijah, and it was like, it, it fits so well with what I wanted to talk about. Um, so Elijah was a prophet, and he was in the time of King Ahab, which First King says he was the most wicked god, or wicked king that, of any of the kings that had went before him. He was horribly wicked. He had turned away from God. He was uh, worshiping uh, the god Baal, and uh, King Ahab in the time was, was killing all the prophets, and he was bringing in the prophets of Baal around him. And God called, told Elijah, tell him that there's going to be a drought. And then he said, Elijah, I want you to go out into the wilderness. Get away from him. Protect yourself. I'll take care of you. And then three years later, um, through a set of circumstances, Elijah is called back to King Ahab, and basically with a challenge. I'm going to show you who the true God is. And we all remember the story of Elijah uh, challenges King Ahab, build an altar and have all your prophets come around and pray that um, pray to your God, Baal, and I'll pray to my God, the true God, and we'll see who the winner is. All right? And, in, and through that story, uh, Elijah's poking fun at, at King Ahab and at the prophets. Come on, what, can't your God hear you? He's not doing anything. And then it's, it's Elijah's turn, and he says, I got my, my, uh, my altar here. I got the, the sacrifice on it. I want to take water and I'm going to fill that trench full of water. I'm going to dump it over the top. I'm going to soak it. And not only one time, I'm going to do it three times. 
And then he prayed to God and fire came from heaven and he consumed the altar and he consumed the sacrifice and consumed the water that was in the trench until it was no more. And the people fell on their faces in repentance and they turned back to God. So what we see is we have a, we have a, a prophet who, who could so have easily turned and ran, but with the patience of God and through his suffering stood up and was the spokesperson of, of the children of Israel to call a King Ahab back to, um, to repentance. Now, King Ahab never himself be, uh, was converted, but it brought the, the, the children of Israel back. The patience in his suffering, knowing that at any time Ahab could have, could have killed him. And one of the things I took away from that story is that our patience in times of suffering, and our patience when we're being oppressed with something or we have a trial or we're suffering from something in our life is a huge witness. People around us, people in our, in our, in our circle of influence are watching how we handle um, the situations that we're going through. And uh, I was talking to uh, Mike Troth this past week and he was telling me about a family that he was in uh, uh, a Bible study with and he said the set of circumstances for the family was, was awful one of the spouses was dying and he said what an unbelievable witness that this family was as they went through the sickness and the death of a of a of a spouse because it was a huge witness to those around us as we as we watched them still praise god and still um honor god and and through the struggles that they had how easy is it for us to to, like it said in, in verse 9, to put blame on something that, that was out of their control. But yet, there's, if we continue to praise, what an example that is for us as we, as, we do, as we go through those struggles. And like Elijah, sometimes we maybe feel like we're in a wilderness. I know there's times in my life where I felt like I've just been barren, I've been dry, I've just, life has just sucked the, the joy out of my life. And that you feel like you're in a barren desert. But it's interesting that God called Elijah into the wilderness, into that spot where he had nothing. And he, what happened? He had to rely on God. And in those times that we're in the wilderness, I feel like that's when we can draw ourselves close to God and what he has for us. We draw ourselves into a community. We, we put, our, 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 uh, put our lives at his feet. We rely wholly on what he has for us. And a, a reminder that I, as I was reading through this, is that God's kingdom starts in, in whatever circumstances we're in currently. It's not after it's all done, because we're, where's the witness that people will see as we, as we struggle and we wake up every day and we pull up our boots and say, we'll lean on God and we're going to get through this and, and, and let the people that are watching us say, holy cow, what an amazing witness they are for the love of god that they say they have but now that they're showing that they have i was reading um a blog and a devil uh, uh david ortland um wrote something that i that i read and it was it was very impactful and i and i think it, it spoke very well of what this verse talks about and what we can sometimes go through and he says in that dry and dusty place in that season of barely hanging on remember god is watching over you He's using difficult times to prepare you for things ahead. Things sometimes greater than you can ever achieve without the pain you are currently in. How true is that? 
We will never know sometimes the purpose of why we're going through it. But he's, he's preparing our hearts and he's preparing our lives for something greater. And then, I, and then uh, James goes into verse 11 where he, um, he's talking to, the, to the, uh, the believers there and he, and he reminds them of a man named Job. Who remembers who Job is? Right? Job was a blessed man. He had all kinds of wealth and all kinds of riches and um, was truly blessed. He, he had his faith in God. And he said, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard the steadfastness of Job. And you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. If we look at the story of Job, Job has no idea what's going on behind the scenes of his life where Satan has, has come to God and say, Hey, let me get a shot at Job. Because I think that if I um, push his back against the wall, that he will abandon his faith. And God says, okay, I'm going I'm to allow you to give it a shot. It's hard to find somebody's life in the Bible or even the people that we know around us that have gone probably through as much suffering as Job did. Right? He lost all his children. He lost his wealth. He lost his friends. In the 42 chapters of the book of Job, there is a huge long periods of silence of God into Job's life, and he felt like he was abandoned. So I think when we, when we look at and we compare our lives to, to Job and the struggles that we go through, I'd say let's remember the, the steadfastness and the, and the endurance that Job had. I think if you look at that um, word steadfast, we can define it as endurance. Maybe we can understand a little bit more in our terms uh, what that word really means. And in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary and, or faint-hearted. What a great example of that, okay? We are called to run a race that, is, that we have been given and to run it with endurance. There was hope in Job and God that God wouldn't abandon him. And I know that sometimes in, the, in that trial of our lives, it is so easy for us just to, to curl up into a ball and say, all is lost, all hope is lost. I don't know how I'll ever get through this. But what I found it interesting is there's a, a cry that, that Job cried out, and it's a song uh, we'll listen to a little bit later. But there's a cry that Job cried. It says, though you slay me, yet I will put my hope in you. Even though God, Job never abandoned God, God never abandoned Job, but Job still had that cry on his lips that he knew that he was the true God. And through his struggles that he still cried out, God, do what you want with me, but I will still put my hope in you. His hope was greater in his, than his trials. And I hope that we have that attitude as well, is that we know that, it, that there is something better on the other side. Job was blessed far beyond what he had ever imagined he could because after his trial was over, uh, I think in the book it says he was, he was blessed far beyond his, I think it was double, if I'm not mistaken, what he had before. 
And the Lord was compassionate and merciful on Job. And we may, understand, we may not understand this side of heaven what is the significance of the trials that we have gone through. But there is purpose, purpose that we may never see. People's lives, maybe it's, the, maybe it's just in the people's lives that are around us that are watching how we interact and we react to the, to the trials that we're going through. We will never be exempt from trials and suffering on earth. But I think that these, these five chapters in James give us the ammunition to be able to fight against our um, tendency to, to lose our patience and to just fail the endurance that we need to be able to make it through these struggles. We need to work to have patience in our trials and that can only happen if we're leaning on God. And that leaning is the studying of the word and, and, the, and the prayers that we have and the communion that we have with God and the, and the continual gathering together. It is so easy when we're going through a trial to step back and, and seclude ourselves and to take ourselves out of the situation of people that love us and that will, that will guide us through these times. There is purpose. Remember the one thing, that we all have trials, but Paul tells the Corinthians this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond compare. It seems trite, but what we're going through or what we have gone through or what we will go through is just a tiny blip of, of all eternity. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have our offering so the, the, um, the ushers can come forward. Um, and then uh, I'm going to close with a, a worship uh, song, but it's going to be a little different than we do. So I'm going to pray for the message. Lord, I just thank you for this time in your word. I thank you for James giving an example of how we suffer through and we grow in our patience and the stability that we have that as we are growing in the word and we grow in our prayer life with you, Lord, that we have the, the ability to endure the trials of this life. I pray, Lord, as we walk out through these doors that we can be encouraged, that we can find other brothers and sisters that we can lean on, that we can lean on the one true God. Lord, I now pray as we take this offering, Lord, we think of the, of, um, the ministry that is happening here at Cross Point. I just pray that as the, as the baskets pass, that our hearts would be uh, pushed to, to bless the um, the ministries here that we have. Lord, I thank you for this time as we, as we have gathered, and I pray that we would um, honor and glorify you with our lives as we continue to walk, Lord. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.